Hello, you're listening to season two of the Achieve With Me podcast. I am your host, Rachel Gilfrin, and I'll be spending the next few minutes chatting to you about what achieving, winning, and success mean to you. As a life coach specializing in confidence and career progression, I am a strong believer that success is very closely linked to having a positive mindset. I'll be sharing my own highs and lows from my past corporate career in IT sales and sharing some really valuable tips and techniques to help you to get ahead in your career. To help you to get these implemented today, you can catch the written episode on my blog, which is at www.rachelharriotcoaching.co.uk. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, my ambitious ladies, and welcome to series two of Achieve With Me. Today, we have another fantastic interview episode, and you are in for a treat. Now, as you know, I've been reaching out to some of my connections and getting some true expertise on the podcast recently. And to be honest, I think it's just really important that we get a great mix of perspectives to really help you to move forwards towards success. Now, today we have the wonderful Sarah Valentine on Achieve With Me. Sarah stepped out of glam and into true glam way back in 2009. Sarah swapped dressing celebs at Paris Fashion Week and dove into becoming an expert in conscious well-being. She's worked as a nutritionist and a well-being advisor across corporate, TV, and of course, private clients since 2009. And all the areas she has covered are UK to Asia, Singapore, and Switzerland. So a whole host of experience to share today. Now, today we are going to be chatting about all things well-being, and the impact that this can have on your career trajectory. So it's going to be really, really important to kind of see how this all adds in. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you for, I love that introduction. That was uh, put so, with so much finesse. Bless you. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, we like a bit of finesse around here. (laughs) Love it. It's great to have you on. So obviously from the, the short introduction, that I've done. Obviously, I know that there's so much more from your career and your experience, but I think our guests are probably curious about how you came to make this huge career pivot that you did back then. Would you mind sharing a bit about this? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, I just think like every single thing we do in life, everything really is an evolution of our awareness of things, right? So sometimes that's why people say to me, oh, I love that tattoo. I'm like, oh, be careful because you might do a like literally like 180 or 360 degree flip of (laughs) what you think you like now to what you (laughs) notice you like later. Um, And so basically, you know, like I was, um, I suppose it was through being in multi-dimensions of this whole glam industry, which started in publishing and and that's went back when I was still in New Zealand and um, I headed up the marketing and then advertising for New Zealand's biggest contemporary culture magazine. And because of that, all of everything we did was led by relationships. So, you know, we did launch parties and media for like Lord of the Rings and, uh, you know, back when Coldplay, when Chris was still like doing music out of the back of his um, well, he would. He was the story he told us was they was had just moved out of their garage, wow. and he hadn't had a he hadn't had a girlfriend. I can't remember 
forgive me if I'm not correct with the exact details, but he hadn't had a girlfriend for like six years or something because they were just too busy in the garage creating music <laughs> and, and things like that. And then they just had kind of just made it. And this was their first tour of publicity in the kind of, hey, we've just made it into being noticed kind of thing. But everything that I had to do um, as the marketing manager then went um, through events. So I created live events, parties, um, and different kind of things with the stars and, you know, different people in the so-called glam industry. Um, and so that's kind of how I went into it. And that then connected me to the whole of the fashion industry and fashion week, because that's all part and parcel to all of that, isn't it? So, um, and, um, and so I suppose what happened is there I first of all decided that I admired and also noticed that I felt sorry for some people in, the, in the, that industry because there were some people who didn't find themselves in it, but some people who did lose, their, lose who they were if they weren't part of that. So that was the first part, I suppose, which planted that seed of some of those people I really admired because they already knew really what they wanted to do and it was their passion. But other people felt like that that industry um, entitled them to, to feel and be different to other people in the world that had made different career choices. I mean, I'm talking, I have to say, I have to largely say I'm talking about the models because um, <laughs> I, I, I do feel quite sorry for a lot of, a lot of them because they're told every single day, hey, you're amazing, you're beautiful, and they forget about everything else that they've got behind that. And so... Then when I went to Paris and I started um, working there, I noticed this crossover as well where some people would come and you could literally purchase tens of thousands of dollars on incredible designer runway clothes. But some people, um, you could see in themselves that they actually did it to disguise this facade of who they actually felt. So the long and the short of it is that I then did a flip because after I had been in Paris, I fell in love and I went to the UK. <laughs> and in the UK, um, I went to the Fashion Council because obviously I'd been involved in everything in, in Paris and just said, hey, this is what I've done. This is the areas I've been in. And they basically said, well, you've got to do three months work experience for free to prove your um coolness really? <laughs> you know like not not being you know but I was just so taken aback by the fact that that um that, that skills and superficiality and people and everything there was so much amazing things in the world of fashion and so many amazing people in the world of celebrities and glam and Hollywood but at the same time, I really noticed there were a huge number of people who needed to work on the inside. Mm. And if they really decided that that engaging with not just their health and meaning like eat, eat well, but actually the inside being their thoughts, and if they connected with the part of you that you don't see, then the part that you do see would end up being so much more amazing. Yeah. Wow. So much there. Thank you. That's such a great introduction. And, you know, there's so many things that you were saying that I really resonated with and particularly just sort of going back a little bit where you said about, 
you know, how the models are constantly told all the time, well, you're so beautiful, you've got such a great figure. And, And then they kind of, that becomes part of their identity. So they don't really feel as though they can kind of lean towards any other maybe interests or meaningful pulls towards things because maybe they feel as though they're kind of wasting what they've got. Um, And I think it's a really interesting perspective when we think about, you know, we we're all on this comparison wheel quite a lot of the time with regards to social media and, and the people that we're seeing on there. And if we actually knew the truth behind their own experiences, perhaps we'd think completely differently about going into a career in that area. Well, I mean, and, and that the whole thing is that, you know, part of the coaching that I do as well as I do a, a really high-end coaching with celebrities, there's a huge amount of people in the world that are seeking and we all like as humans default to seeking through material things and we think and I'm meaning material things even in our careers because it's a physical thing that we're with our physical bodies are conducting this but but the where where you um if you're wanting a car or nice clothes or um a specific career or whatever it is all of that makes complete sense when you connect it back to how you feel and you're like empowered by how you feel and what I find going to kind of moving into your area of expertise, um, you know, which I'm sure you're, you know, you're making so many incredible inroads and insights for people is the fact that take, take what, what I kind of just said about like we followed, you followed on about the models. Anything that you're told in repetition is hard for it not to become you in some way. Mm. So if you're in a career where you're having someone tell you constantly that, you know, like subtly putting you down or um, you're in an, a male-dominated environment and you're belittled slightly or put in your corner or, um, you know, you're, you're told that what you're doing is, is done in a certain way and, and rip this repetition of what you're told, whether it being like, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, look at that amazing mouth or smile or I love this, love this body or whatever it is to, to um, you know, Sarah, what are you doing? Where's your memory? You know, like you're, you're, you're so forgetful. You're so forgetful. Or, you know, like, no, you're not good at that data stuff or you're not good at this. You're not good at that. It's the same thing. Yeah. It, it Just like that became, hey, all I am is this model of amazing perfection becomes the same thing of I'm not good at this becomes this limiting belief. Mm. They're all, those both things are both limiting beliefs because that model thinks actually from herself is the same thing. It's just that she's decided that that's an ego thing and something that stands her apart from everyone else because of what she was born to look like, whereas someone else thinks this is who I am because of something someone else has said to her, same, same, but it becomes something that is a limiting belief or a belief about them as well. And so so all of this is, is actually starts with what you think mm-hmm. and then... Um, everything else comes from that and that's where the goals and and you know everything that you set for yourself is all about your ability to think and to be conscious of how it all fits together in the puzzle yeah 100% your ability and your belief about what is possible for you as well I definitely agree with that so 
in terms of what you do then, so you've kind of gone over a little bit about some of the coaching and that sort of thing, but I guess to kind of take it a step back, just for some of the listeners that might not be familiar, would mm. you mind just sort of defining what we mean when we say wellness or well-being? Well, the thing, well, wellness and well-being is often used interchangeably, but often wellness is really more about um, you know, what fitness classes are you doing? Uh, you know, are you on a keto diet? Uh, um, you know, how many times do you run a week? Um, you know, like even like, you know, like you're sleeping and things like that. Well-being is a, a lot more about going from what I like to call like the human potential or the human development side where you've got a basis of um to, to reverse it, being well. So you have to connect your emotions and your feelings to what you're actually doing. And a lot of wellness is more focused on the doing. Mm, okay. Mm. Makes sense. So it's really about being proactive and looking at all different areas of your life and, and I suppose balance really. Yeah, exactly. Of which um, a lot of this mindset shift is the foundation of it because, you know, like let's just say you say, I'm, I'm going to go off uh, Coca-Cola and go on to kale smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a transition. No, that, that is like a, a, I'm joking here, guys. This isn't me. I like to have that as an extreme. Um, um, you know, like what is the point if your mind's not with it because you're never going to be able to stick to it. So well-being is so much about having your mind to connect to something and then your actions follow that. Um, and, and that leads to you being able to stick to it because traditionally what happens in well-being is we're kind of a zero to hero and we think that we need to be an all or nothing. So that's why all of these New Year's resolutions, they don't, they don't work. 78% of New Year's resolutions and goals fall down and it's because your emotions um, are not actually connected enough to them for you to be able to continue doing it past that, hey, I'm going to go to the kale smoothies and I'm never having a Coke again. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, that definitely resonates. I mean, I did do um, an episode recently surrounding goal setting and that sort of thing. And mm. everything that you've just said really rings true and kind of reinforces what we were saying there because it's all about, you know, if you don't believe that this goal is going to be right for you for the right reasons and if it doesn't align with who you are and who you want to be and all those sorts of things it's going to fall down and I think it's really interesting that you talk about kind of going from zero to hero rather looking at encouraging people to make incremental changes that will then become a lasting change I suppose that they can maintain ongoing. Yeah I mean I I talk a lot especially like you know and the basis of the whole well-being portal is about these small steps and then transitioning the small steps to become readiness. Mm. And, and at first, it's so important to not actually even want to or try to do this, to do the whole lot. You're so much better to do a small transition and slow down and yes. do it successfully and then move to the next because that's actually what proper well-being is. Um, and it, there's no point. That's why this is a trillion-dollar industry because it's too much an all-or-nothing thing and it's not enough connected to what your values are. You know, like 
what is important to you? And if it's important to you, to it's foundationally important to you to be someone who goes out to the pub um, to have a drink with your friends, and then I come along and say to you, hey, Rachel, you're never allowed to go and have a glass of wine again with your friends. Seriously? Like, so you've got to, first of all, transition it um, to never be aspiring to say, hey, never go and have a glass of wine. But you put these things in place to allow you to get well at the same time so that you understand a lot of the mechanisms behind, um, like, for example, how is that glass of wine connected to everything else in your life? If you have gut problems, you know, you've got yeast overgrowth, you've got problems with your memory and your focus and you've got all these things. It could simply be that you're having too much sugar. But I don't eat cakes. Well, what happens when you're drinking wine? What is it? It's a grape. What's a grape? It's sugar. Oh, so that could be related to my bloating. It could be related to my fuzzy head. It could be related to the fact that it's interfering with my energy levels and the blood sugar levels go majorly up and majorly down with too much sugar. And I've never thought about it being related to that wine that I'm having because I thought that had to be eating a cake. And so then you say, well, it's not. So what's important to you about what you're doing? And then you come back to me and say, it's important to me because I want to be doing this. And then you find out what your values are. The social values are the thing driving the reason you're having the wine. So then you come in with like ways to make you win on both ways, not cut it out. So that's what um, I think is like it's so important about this this whole well-being thing is to not have it being so sacrificial. Yeah, I love your approach. I feel like it's extremely unique because we want tailored advice to something that's going to work for our lifestyle that we're going to be able to sustainably do. And so I think it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing. And um, one of the things that you touched on earlier which I think that would be really interesting um, for our listeners to hear about was your well-being portal. Would you mind just explaining a bit about what that is and how you work with um, clients on that? So the well-being portal is actually designed for organisations. So it's a B2B um, service. And really what it is, is it's designed for three things. It's designed for employees so that they have these empowerment tools to be their best selves, but to also meet every single individual where they're at. Because, like, let's say, you know, you're a business owner with, uh, you know, 50 employees. Not all 50 of your employees are going to actually even care about being their best selves or wanting to change anything, right? So you've got to be able to meet every employee where they're at, not what you want to just say you've got to do, you know, like it has to be something that connects with them. So, for example, um, we've got four different programs within um, the wellbeing portal, and it's really designed to ignite interest in wellbeing. So, I'll just give you a couple of examples. So, the Daily Bite series is the first one, which is literally only 10 minutes per video, and that gives these insights on habit shifts and it doesn't say hey you know you're drinking too many coffees you've got to give it up because it's bad for you doesn't do anything like that it says more like I know you drink too many coffees probably in a day at work and so let's give you some tools to let you learn how to best uh, be able to buffer that so that you don't have to feel the bad aftermath so and I'll give you an example I may as well give your listeners an example of it for example um If you have one too many coffees, so if you're someone who likes to, let's just say, have 
three coffees or whatever, or it's your culture to sit in a meeting, um, whether it's working from home or in an office, and you're all sitting there and you just say, hey, who wants to have a coffee? And so you go and have a coffee and you know you shouldn't, but it's kind of that cultural part of the integration, same as having a wine in a pub, right, Um, that you have a coffee and you've had too many and you know that by coffee number three, you're going to start feeling kind of those jitters and angsty. Well, there's a couple of things that you need to know is that there's ways of getting around it. And what I love is hacks. So there's there's this amino acid called L-theanine. And um, it's an amino acid derived from green tea and it's completely natural. But what it does is it does this, it has a function where it dilates the capillaries and the blood flow to your brain. So it provides more oxygen to your brain and it stops you having the jitters. So if you've had, if you know that you're on to the phase where you're having one too many coffees and you're going to do it anyway, you're not, you, you've decided, I, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to do it because we all do stuff like that. Then you have L-theanine, which I always think is an amazing thing to have in the office because it's also extremely amazing for anxiety and stress. Um, and then you have an L-theanine at the same time as you have your coffee. And it basically stops those coffee jitters and it allows you to still think clearly. Um, but it, the thing that's amazing with it is it doesn't, like so many things, it doesn't what you call excite or sedate. So it's not going to make you feel tired, but it's also not going to keep you awake. So you can have it just before you go to sleep and you can sleep, or you can have it because you want it to make you feel um, more focused and it will make you feel focused, but it's not going to force you to either go to sleep or not be able to sleep. Um, so it's it's an incredible anti-stress functional power tool that I have all the time with me um, because it's an amazing solution for a lot of things. But getting back to the topic of a daily bite, so we have one daily bite that says you might have too many coffees. This is a tip, this is a tip, and this is a tip. And if you're going to do it anyway, make sure you've got some L-theanine at your desk. And then if you need it, you take the L-theanine with one too many coffees that you shouldn't do but you're going to do it anyway. So let's at least help you to not feel the bad feelings afterwards. So that's kind of what we do in the daily bites with things. Because the reason partly being is that even those people of the 50 that aren't interested in well-being will start to realize that it's not all about saying you've got to be a purist. It's actually just about helping you be your best self without making the habit sacrifices that you're not ready to make. Yeah. I mean, I actually feel like I'm now getting like a one-to-one now because I do have a coffee problem. (laughs) I've actually mentioned this on the podcast before. I I have two, at least two coffees that my husband kindly brings me in bed before I even consider leaving my room and uh, getting dressed and showering and what have you. And then throughout the day as well. And I know definitely from being in an office environment, it 100% is part of the culture. I mean, we used to be um, back in my corporate days, we used to be on a bank of eight desks and we'd all make um, a brew round every day. And so mm. if you think, you know, if at least six people are, are making a round, mm. that's like six coffees just whilst you're in the office. So it definitely is a problem. Um, mm. I'm really curious about this L-theanine. Mm. What is it? So, so, well, that's exactly what it is. So you get the thing, okay, let's let's just go into L-theanine a little bit for, yeah, your, let's talk about for it. your listeners. 
the reason <laughs> being is honestly, I have a few supplements that are the thing that um, I don't think anyone should need to live without because we shouldn't all try and be our own superhero without having a resource. Like Superman or Superwoman, they have a cape. They can't do it without the cape. Oh, yeah. You know, do you know when they don't when they don't have the cape on, they're not super. They're just normal. Um, so why do we try and do everything and think we should be invincible and do it all ourselves? So so L-theanine is one of your superhero um, costumes that you can put on. And basically, you can get it on Amazon, on iHerb. In the UK, I'm not sure. I mean, the UK is amazing. Now I'm in Switzerland, so um, I've, I've lost touch with kind of, you know, what's in the stores in the UK. But I know there are so many amazing health food shops over there. Um, but, but basically, L-theanine is you can take it either in a capsule um, or you can take it as a chewable. Uh, I think they both have different things. When I was in the UK, I studied at the, um, the Institute for Optimum Nutrition. Um, that's in Richmond, actually. Um, and once they, a company came to, to present to us, and that's where I first came across it. And it was, I think it was Solgar, the, the brand called Solgar that's definitely over there. Um, but basically, uh, the reason that L-theanine is amazing is, you know, all these other supplements, like they say magnesium, B vitamins, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You need to take them regularly for them to really have that buildup of effect on you. L-theanine you don't. It's literally instantaneous. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that you have for um, anxiety, for stress, um, and then for things like coffee. So, so um, my husband, for example, um, used to, years ago, uh, have to present to a lot of people for his job. And back then, he really was transitioning his mindset to feeling more comfortable with it and felt so nervous mm. by having to do these presentations. But and he just took L-theanine beforehand. And when we got introduced to it in, um, when I was studying, it was like, take this before your exam because it allows you to think clearly when you're under pressure. And uh, so, so now I actually call them chill pills. <laughs> I forget to call them L-theanine. And I have the chewable. You know when you're stressed or anxious, you just want to bite on something. And that's mm. when you'll go for, I'm going to eat crisps or I'm going to eat a crunchy chocolate cookie or I'm going to whatever. You don't actually want the crisps or the cookie. You want something to taste and you want something to bite because you want that sensation of chewing. It kind of makes you feel better when your stress is high. So you, there's um, some supplements called sun theanine, um, by a company, I think they're called Natural Factors. I'm not affiliated. <laughs> I'm just one of their fans. And they have an a chewable L-theanine, and it's like a peach flavor. And I literally take them in my bag, in my car. Um, I take them with me because they're also amazing for children. They've been done um, studies on them for anxiety in children as well. Um and um, and so I just have them in my car. So if, if my kids, I see that they're a little uptight, I say, do you want a chill pill? And so, you know, like it's, it tastes as nice as it does if you ate a candy. Um, wow. I feel like yeah. this is going to be a game changer. This is so valuable for my audience, especially when they're, you know, trying to step up at work, mm. but they're really finding it anxious 
like anxious thoughts around having these sort of conversations. And so I think really great for people to note, um, you know, if you have got a presentation coming up or anything like that, this could be really beneficial. And I'm definitely going to check it out. So thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> and, and just one thing I would say before we move probably off the L-theanine is even if you've got a boss or the morale could be lower in your um, you know, in your work than, than you think it should be. You know, you're not coping with a certain pressure or there's multiple pressures coming to you, you know, which which um, increase the risk of burnout and ill health and everything. Literally get some L-theanine and put it in your drawer because it can sit there. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. And if you can see your boss has come in in a bad mood or something isn't right or whatever, it's like a 10-minute fix, you take it, and I have to say, you don't notice you've taken it, but that's exactly the point because it, it kind of relieves that knot. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of just um, neutral. It, it takes you from this like minus ten. Oh my gosh! And to neutralize, just neutralizes it. So it's nearly like you even forget that you've taken it because it kind of just restores, helps to restore you. Obviously, it depends on your level of. Of intensity, but it just, it's like if you needed crutches because you broke your leg, you could still manage because you could hop, but the crutches will just help you. And that's kind of DL theanine that I like to, to, um, yeah. One of my biggest fan things that I like is my super cape. I'm so glad that you've shared that with us. I know it's going to be valuable. And I know that everything that you've described about having a moody boss, about, you know, having days when things seem a bit much, you know, I know that my audience experiences these. So thank you so much. That's absolutely fantastic. So we, we were kind of talking through the um, the portal, which, as you mentioned, is something that um, it's for businesses. So mm-hmm. just want to kind of shout out to any of my audience because I know that you know well-being is such a a buzzword and it's something that a lot of organizations are considering now as introducing as part of their organization's kind of culture and, and DNA and so you know it's a really good idea to kind of have a look around at your place of work and see what what your business is doing about well-being because it's incredibly important and there's so many kind of things that you can introduce like the daily bites that Sarah was talking about really that you can you can utilize to kind of get ahead ahead of any problems that could be coming up so really good that you've shared that so I suppose for people that are wanting to get ahead at work and you know be their best selves and unlock all of their potential how could it be that well well-being and wellness could support them in kind of being really high energy and being that best version of themselves. Is there any sort of top tips that you could share if, if, if there are any any quick fixes? Well, that's, I mean, that's I, it's a really good question because I think that there's a couple of things and, and you know, we're like stuck records in, in this um, kind of, you know, human development side um, and personal growth side because, it truly does all come back initially to the way you think because you have to have a shift in what your expectations are and what your awarenesses of your, even the the patterns of thinking because by the time I think it's your 35, 95% of the thoughts that you're even thinking every day are repetitions of what you thought the day before. So what are they? Because if you want to become your best self, 
you have to, and have, let's just say, the most energy. You have to actually be aware of what what thoughts are driving the habits that you're doing. And so the honest truth is it sounds like, you know, getting back to this thing of we kind of want to go from zero to hero, just by hearing, come on, that's not enough to be aware of my thoughts. Well, the honest truth is that the reason that maybe you've tried so many things so many times and it hasn't worked is because you have tried to do too much rather than go into one thing and connect with it properly to because translate it kind of this way is if you think about becoming aware of your thoughts you wake up in the morning and what do you think oh I'm so tired why did I do that night the night before what does that mean that means okay what did you do the night before um you know like okay so and then you have to stop and think well what did I do I sat on my device on my phone for an hour and then turned it off and thought I'd gonna, I was going to go to sleep. Well, because of the having that blue screen in my face, that actually blocks your ability to create melatonin in your body. So you've got a physiological reaction already there just from sitting in your bed for an hour or half an hour before you go to sleep looking at your device. But then people think, okay, so how does that affect the next thing, well, when you're tired, your ability to buffer cravings decreases significantly because your cortisol levels go up when you're tired. And when your cortisol levels go up, you have more cravings. So then you go to the wrong foods. And then when you go to the wrong foods, your energy levels go down because you have a fix and then it goes up and down and up and down. And so when you start connecting with your thoughts, for example, getting back to get up in the morning, oh, I was so tired. What am I doing the night before? Blah, blah, blah. Start actually realizing what you're thinking because then when you become super conscious of the fact that, oh, my goodness, every morning I wake up and I think, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. I need to go to bed early or I need to do whatever differently. And you become aware of that. Then you start actually becoming much more conscious of what you're doing the night before. And at that point, you'll go, I need to do something different with this. And you can make tiny changes that make extreme differences. And that's the thing in well-being that's so important is to think to yourself, why don't I make one or two changes, small ones per week, and notice the shift? And that can be, for example, you know, not having my device for an hour before I go to sleep or when I wake up in the morning. Um, as I've done in that, that handout with you, said drink um, as soon as you wake up, drink between half to a litre of water because that literally fuels your body and has such an impact on your energy levels. And then say, and then like, you know, so you can do one a week. And then week three, you could say, now let's notice what, how I feel in the afternoon. I'm going to notice how I feel in the afternoon. And if you notice your energy levels, for example, constantly plummet between the hours of 3.30 and 4.30, that's an energy dip. That energy dip is 100% preventable um, because it's got to do with the timing and the kind of foods you're having at lunch. Mm. And it's completely preventable. And all you need to do is a little switch, but you need to know what the switch is. Um, that makes sense. I think I'd like to kind of ban the phrase quick fix because as we keep talking about, you know, 
there's no such thing. But if we can, again, just have that mindset shift to, you know, a small incremental change that we can begin to make, like you say, just some tiny changes where you're considering your behavior that has happened before or prior to the feeling or um, emotion that you're experiencing and being mindful of that straight away, that's going to get, you know, it's going to open your eyes to all the different ways that you could actually experience change quite quickly. So I think that that's really helpful to bear in mind. And um, the blue screen thing before bed, I think everybody is so guilty of doing that. And then getting up the next day and saying, oh, I slept terribly. Well, you know, <laughs> we know the writing's on the wall. And if you haven't heard of this before, by the way, if this is the first time you're hearing this, definitely do some research into it because you can get special glasses that can block out the blue light. Um, or to be honest, the best thing to do is just to point blank avoid it um, for an hour before bed, pick up a book or something, um, because that's really important. So yeah, love all those points you've discussed. And I think that, you know, it's all about being mindful of these changes that we do need to make rather than having a to-do list as such. Exactly. And there's one other thing that's super important with these habits that we have is also just to be aware of how they connect to how you feel. And what I'm meaning is feel, not feel as an I need I need a cookie or I need a cigarette or I need a glass of wine. I'm meaning as in what emotion is it connected to? Because too many people in well-being and wellness and nutrition and all of these things kind of just say, I'm going to take away, you've got to take away the cookies. You've got to stop the cookies. But how did you get to need the cookies in the first place? Mm. I had so many clients um, in, um, you know, back in the day, especially women, especially women who came to these emotional food habits based on some form of emotional deficit. And so if, for example, you came to eat a packet of cookies in the afternoon because you were a teenage girl but your mother was too busy at work or too busy doing something else to connect with your emotional needs as you were in that foundational stage, and so you ended up going and using the cookies to replace that, and then I, as a nutritionist, come along and say to you, hey, you've got to take away the cookies in the afternoon. You're removing the substitute love-mother relationship mm. and just saying, rip it out. You can't do that. So people, people, um, it, it's too, like health is too, um, uh, it's, it's basically, I like to call it as a persona. So in a lot of the section of the wellbeing portal is there's two other sections and one of them is for leaders and facilitators to be able to, to connect. You all have to connect. So the leaders have to do this as well. Everyone has to do it um, kind of totally independently. But part of it is you can do this whole experience together. But you need to be able to understand that everything comes back to an emotional reaction to something. You can't just rip it out. You've got to replace it. Mm -hmm. So you don't go, hey, let's rip out the daily M&Ms. What's it there for? The chocolate is there for a reason or yeah. whatever. So replace it with something else that's going to satisfy, but it's going to just be an upgrade. Yeah, I love that. I definitely think that there's so many people that are either without realizing it or kind of knowing in the back of their minds that they're using some some types of food as an emotional crutch. And I think it's um, when you actually start looking into it and the more and more layers you peel back, 
it really does go right back to that whole mindset thing. And it's so interesting to kind of keep going back to that and knowing that it isn't just about here, here's a plan for you, like a rinse and repeat, a cookie cutter plan. It's got to be considered based on your life, your your experiences up until that point as well. So, wow, so interesting. And I think that there's so much that we've covered off that shows and really highlights why it's so important to work directly with a nutritionist or a well-being expert to really help help you to get a tailored plan that's going to maximize the output that you effectively get from changing your habits so yeah I think it's amazing thank you so much for sharing you're, you're totally welcome I think you know people need to also be kind to themselves um, you know and kind to their thoughts to realize that we are all on this kind of evolution within ourself and the fact that you can't see and I, you can't see my thoughts and I can't see your thoughts all we can see of each other is the image that we want to portray but you can't see a thought and and um, I know that your audience is largely female and I um, so I just want to um, say really quickly, I once did this talk to a group of, um, they were largely um, Russian women um, who were like extremely perfect in the exterior, you know, um, you know, everything was absolutely perfect, you can't even believe. And it was so interesting when I sat there and um, sat there, stood there, and we, we were started interacting and and really highlighted to them about you know that it's not actually about what you're looking like. How do you? How are you feeling? And and through the course of this, them realizing that the fact that they looked amazing, it didn't mean that they felt amazing. Some of them felt terrible, and it was going back exactly to the same as this thing in fashion, where so many people work so hard. Um, to do things right and to look right and to have the right things so that they brand themselves the right way. But you need to be kind to yourself in, in this evolution because it actually takes courage. For you to say to yourself, why am I doing something, is the first step to questioning if it's the right thing. Mm. Uh, you know, And then noticing why you're doing it takes, takes another step of courage because you're exposing yourself to you. And it's something that so many people never do. They literally never stop to create a void inside of them, a space so that they can stop and notice themselves. You know, and, and that's the only way that you're ever going to create a consciousness is to do that. But you then have to step into the unknown and you have to be brave in doing that to yourself to grow and to become your best self. And then you also have to be kind to yourself and say, I thought that and decide on something that when you're thinking a thought that you know doesn't serve you, decide on a replacement one. And, and then every time you think that thought or you hear yourself saying something out loud that you know doesn't serve you or that you shouldn't say, even if you don't say it, say the replacement out loud, think it. Yeah. No one has to see it because that's how you're going to actually get better habits. It has to start with the patterns 
of repetition that you're thinking and actually being able to have that discipline to think slightly differently. Eventually, you will act slightly differently. Yeah, I totally agree with that because I think that we're filling our kind of subconscious minds with all these pieces of information that we don't necessarily mean, but doesn't know the difference. So <laughs> we're just yeah. simply confusing ourselves. I think yeah. you're so right about um, it's really hard to do personal reflection and stand back mm. and say, I've been doing this for the longest time and it's not the right thing and I need to stop and I, I need to replace it with this. It's really difficult to reflect on anything and and say I'm the cause of this so I think you're definitely right in that it needs to be more normalized and I love the way that you're introducing it in the workplace as well as part of your role because I think that when everybody's doing it it's not just you doing it individually when it becomes the norm and everybody's doing it then you know you don't feel that whole conscious worry and fear about oh goodness me I've been doing all this wrong so there's no shame in it I suppose in in that regard and I think that more organizations should be investing in this stuff to really educate people if they truly care about them you know long term as a lot of businesses claim to do this should be the first place they should start in my opinion but also the leaders need to lead the change and not just provide it because if, if you went out and bought this for your 50 employees and then you didn't do it, you wouldn't actually create that space to allow them to do it either because you would still be on the wheel of what are you doing now, 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 when are you going to do it? Oh, in your spare time? What, you mean when I eventually finally go home? Then I have to do it? So, so that's the, you know, that's the thing is I've, we've got a program actually called Fix the Boss First, which is saying do this yourself, feel the difference, and you will then value what it's going to do when you are part of this with the people. But then also the other thing is it's really important that you can do this privately too. Because let's face it, if you've got IBS or something, you don't want to sit in front of your colleagues and talk about how, you yeah, know, your problems with your digestion. Some people want to, but some people don't. So you've got to be able to do both. Um, and, and I think that's why also it's super amazing what you're doing in terms of, um, you know, you know, being able to support people professionally and in their personal growth. Because as you just said, often people they they know that they they can kind of feel this nearly uncomfortableness with where they're at which means they need to go somewhere else but they don't also know how to make those transition steps mm. so that they kind of can cut, go from being this slightly uncomfortable feeling to being a conscious realization of something which is is you know like what you do to enable them to to really live their dream of their best self and their career and what they want to aspire to and how to integrate that, you know, them um, into their best self and in, in work and life. And um, often you actually need to just even have someone asking you questions so you can think yeah. about, oh, gosh, I never thought about that. Oh, it's all in there. It's all in there yeah. for sure. You know, we, yeah. it's in there. We just need to be asked a question in a certain way for it yeah. to sort of unravel a little bit for us to see exactly. a bit more inside. And, oh, yeah, okay, I do feel like that. But, yeah, lots of good stuff. And I think, you know, one one thing that I would say to the audience today is that, um, you know, when we're looking at things like nutrition and, and well-being, 
it's not just about you either because this could span generations and I'm not trying to kind of you know make it out to be huger than it is because I don't think it has any limits I think that it could span generations because you could teach you know your children these ways of being and and so on so it's so so important and um, I'm just so so glad that you've been with us here today to share some of this and where is it that my listeners can find you if they want to follow you online or, or your website um so I do have to I am on Instagram but um I'm I'm really average at social media um so Sarah, Sarah Valentine Wellbeing um on my website it's um the um it's wellbeingportal.com um if anyone wants to reach out to me they're most welcome um I'm very happy for you to give my personal email address if you want to which is Sarah S A R A no H at wellbeingportal.com <laughs> If anyone has any questions, I'm very happy to, to um, you know, support any any of your audience. And, um, and, yeah, I'm just, you know, I just hope that there's been, you know, one little tip for, for each of your listeners that they feel like can make them that just a little bit 1% better. And, and if we're 1% better every day, we're 37% better in one year. 37% of you in one year, if you only do 1% a day, that's like one step, but you can't take it back. You have to, can't go backwards. You've got to keep going forwards. And um, that's why you just want to do just one mindset shift, one thought differently, um, you know, one action that's different, just something to progress you. One sentence that you say differently to someone that you know you shouldn't say, you know, one thing differently to put in your mouth, uh, just one thing different a day, 37%, a better you in only one year. Incredible. What a statistic to end on. Thank you so much. What I'm going to do is share the links that you've given. Thank you so much for your kind, generous offer that people can reach out to you. Um, I think that's wonderful. So I'll share all the contact details in the show notes. Um, You may hear from some of my listeners. Guys, if there's anything that comes up for you, any questions that you want to put towards me, obviously do get in touch. You've hopefully most of you got me on instagram and thank you so much we'll see you on the next episode thank you so much for having me rachel it's been an honor and a pleasure you're so welcome thank you so much for listening to the achieve with me podcast i am committed to supporting you on any workplace challenges or perspectives that you want to explore so if there is any particular areas you'd like me to cover on the podcast please do pop me a message. It's at Rachel Harriet Coaching on Instagram. Or if you want to learn more about coaching, it's my website, which is www.rachelharrietcoaching.co.uk. Have a wonderful day.